Listen up, get ready, I'm not gonna take no more There's a revolution, a revelation going on in my soul Buckle up, get ready, we're not gonna sit back Welcome all you citizens of the world I'm Michael James and it's time for another edition of the Live from the Heartland show I'm here for you and we're glad you're listening in or watching depending on where you're getting it uh, We're still in the era of the pandemic so we've been numbering these since the pandemic began, and this is number 107. And we are recording on the 24th of June for the week of the 25th. Our home base is WLUW.org or 88.7 at Loyola University. And we have a number of interesting guests. We're gonna have our sometimes host, our good pal and friend, Katie Hogan, talking about the coming up elections. We're gonna have Josina Marita, who is a member of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District and running for the Cook County Board. And then we are gonna have a number of people, three people in fact, from the Rogers Park Westridge Historical Society talking about a possible renaming of Passion Park to Pollard Family Park. And we'll hear more about that from Kevin McGurn, uh, April Mink and Donna Vitale. So stay tuned for a good hour of listening, a good hour of viewing, depending how you get it. Uh, we're going to start off with some real bad news. As we were preparing for this show this morning, guess what popped up on our phone over and over from every news source that we have? The Supreme Court of the United States of America has overturned Roe versus Wade. Remember that on June 24th in the year 2022, after 50 years of a law in place, that has now been overturned by our Supreme Court. Okay, now that was bad news and you're gonna hear a lot about that on whatever source of news you're getting and by the pundits and talking about it, it's something on our agenda for probably the next uh, number of years to come. Pay attention. On uh, some sad news, I am really sad to report that uh, not only did Mark Shields die, and he was a reporter. We used to love watching him on the public uh, broadcasting system on Friday nights, talking about all kinds of things political. Uh, he was a Irish Catholic from Boston, went to Notre Dame. He was a New Deal Democrat. And New Deal Democrat is kind of what we'd like to have now, where the government steps in in time of need and really uh, creates jobs with uh, like programs like the Works Projects Administration. Uh, today, it would be rebuilding roads, rebuilding bridges, putting a lot of people to work. We need that kind of thing. Anyhow, Mark Shields was a hell of a fellow, and we're really sad that he has passed. We like seeing him every Friday night. Uh, rest in peace, brother. And closer to home, uh, the one, the only Jim Schwall, who many of you know from the Siegel Schwall band from the mid-60s on, he passed away this week out in Arizona. And... Um, he was quite a guy, you know, we got to know him a little bit. He played at the Heartland Cafe. Uh, he and Corky put together the Siegel Schwal Band. Uh, they toured the country. I remember first seeing them in the spring of 66 in Lincoln Park at a love-in. Uh, he was working on a couple of books. He was a photographer. And we uh, were really kind of sorry that uh, Jim has passed. And we're going to, uh, for our music throughout this show, We'll use uh, clips from some of his tunes. Okay, rest in peace, brother. Um, 
Moving right along. Um, I'm going to uh, share with you, I got a letter from Donald Trump in the mail, but it really was from the Republican National Committee. And it's a survey. And it's uh, the kind of things they ask are, do you support capitalism and free markets or big government socialism and government control of the economy? Well, I know which one I would hit and it's not the capitalism one. Um, they go on, they say voting reforms to, these are things are, where they, are they on our list of need to be done? Voting reforms to ensure elections are conducted with integrity, fairness, and transparency. Kind of interesting coming from the Republicans. Uh, stopping Biden's out of control, big government socialist spending spree. Here's another one, Biden's open borders policy and the humanitarian crisis on our border. Biden's decision to re-enter the Iranian nuclear deal. Uh, then we have Biden's disastrous and deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I don't know if you want to hear any more of this. Um, that's enough? Okay, I'm getting a hint. Um, that's it. I don't know if I'll fill it out and send it back. They have a number like I'm a member of the Republican Party. I can't believe it. I did sign up for one right-wing uh, email that I get uh, some interesting news from. Okay, enough of that. Let's go on to the labor front. Um, Apple's first union is in the news. Uh, it's a Maryland first and a United States of America first. Uh, and uh, let's hope that Apple will see many more workers throughout the country unionize. Uh, the largest rail workers strike in the United Kingdom in 30 years is now underway. And on the Starbucks front, we've been reporting regularly. Our friend Bob Lawson keeps posting victory after victory for the Starbucks workers. There's an article out today that you could find in the Jacobins, J-A-C-O-B-I-N.com. And it says that on the Starbucks front, Howard Schultz is going to extreme lengths to keep total control of the company. Uh, and there is a lot of details about how he may even sabotage his company in order to keep the union out. On the gun front, okay, another thing from uh, our once beloved Supreme Court. Uh, the New York law prohibiting carrying guns was struck down by the Supreme Court. Prominent Democrats have called uh, a Supreme Court decision further expanding gun rights a dark day uh, for the country and it should deeply trouble us all. And right now we see states rushing to revamp laws after the Supreme Court's gun ruling. Um, after some restrictions on gun permits were deemed unconstitutional, legislators are making plans to craft new laws honoring the ruling while still creating limits. Uh, on the sports front, our guy from Taft, Jack Sawinski, a rookie with the St. Louis, uh, excuse me, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, hit three homers in a game the other day. Uh, Emilio Davis, our engineer who is not with us today, um, he uh, has been following Jack Sawinski, and I'm telling Emilio, let's get him on the show. Uh, on the history front, uh, we got a lot of history lessons this week. First of all, uh, Juneteenth was everywhere. Uh, there were events in every city. It's now a national holiday. Those of you who may have missed it, Juneteenth was uh, uh, back in after the Civil War was when in Galveston, the Union generals declared that the phrase that slaves in Texas were now free and they were the last place to free the slaves. Um, 
And a little bit more history. Any of you who have been watching the uh, congressional hearings, the January 6th hearings, it's unbelievable. Uh, you've got Republican members of the panel, only two. Uh, they're doing most of the talking. And who are they talking to? They're talking to uh, fellow Republicans who are very critical of Trump and are talking about how Trump tried to subvert the election. Uh, it's in the news. You should be watching. Uh, I got a little bit of uh, international news. Um, we talked about the pending elections in Colombia, and it looked like the left wing would uh, take that election. Well, guess what? They did. Gustavo Prieto, who had been a guerrilla with the M19 movement, then became, uh, after the peace was worked out with them years back, he then became the mayor of Bogota, became a senator, and he is now the new president of the third largest country in uh, South America. And it is a shift that is uh, continuing throughout Latin America to the left. Um, we know that uh, there is an, not only if you, whether you're left or right, there is a kind of anti-incumbent thing going on. And uh, so that could be part of it, but I think they talked about, uh, both in Al Jazeera and other places I read about it, they talked about uh, the, the massive turnout of young people who really were looking for change. And Prieto did focus on climate change. He will reopen uh, relations with Venezuela, looking for a progressive partnership. And one of the key things in his campaign was uh, getting rid of fossil fuels, lessening the dependency on fossil fuels. Um, I'm not sure if they've got to control the legislature, so how things will go, but the vice president, in fact, both vice presidential candidates were Afro-Colombians and an environmental Afro-Colombian is now the new vice president. Um, one more thing we're gonna talk about here related to Chicago is the lifeguard crisis. Uh, in the news, not only for here, but around the country, we see that uh, lifeguards are, are needed to open pools here in Chicago pools are closed. We'll be hearing more about that over the next couple of weeks as the issue continues or it gets resolved. So we're going to take a short musical break. Uh, you are listening to 88.7 WLUW.org. You can get this show at WLUW.org when it's on on Monday, Tuesday, excuse me, Saturday, Tuesday, and Friday at nine o'clock, as well as at youtube.com slash heartlandmedia. And we'll be right back talking about elections because the elections are upon us. Election day in Illinois is Tuesday the 28th. You can vote before then and up until I think five or six o'clock that day. And I'm gonna bring on uh, our sometimes co-host, someone who uh, I know of no one better than Katie Hogan who talks with passion about the importance of voting. And that's what we all have to do. So. We'll be right back with more Live from the Heartland here on the left end of the island. Okay, we're back. We're back with more live from the heartland here on the left end of your dial. 
Uh, it really brings me a lot of pleasure whenever I can get Katie Hogan to participate uh, in the show. She will be the host for the next couple of weeks while I am gone. Uh, and I know a number of you are going to be happy to have more of her. But today I brought her on because she is the person I looked to for many years for advice in the realm of electoral politics, particularly in Chicago, Cook County, and Illinois. And the election, as you all should know by now, is on Tuesday the 28th. Uh, you can vote beforehand, but Katie's got information for us, not only about voting, but who's running, what's happening, and uh, what's coming up. So good morning to you, Katie. Take Hello, it away. Huh? <laughs> Take it away. Um, well, I heard you say before I came on that um, people can vote till somewhere around 6 p.m. Let's yeah. be clear. People can vote on Tuesday from 6 a.m. till 7 p.m. at your normal uh, red uh, voting place. Um, if you need help to find that, just go to elections.il.gov slash polling place location and you'll get it. Between now and Monday... Yeah, you can vote early at the single location that's in each uh, ward. Ours in the 49th ward is Willie White Park this time. Over in the 50th ward, I think it's Warren Park. But you should look it up. Um, and that's open um, today, Friday till 6 p.m. Sorry, Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sunday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's for voting early. Um, weekdays, meaning Monday, uh, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. So the reason that we're talking about this, a lot of people ignore primaries, okay? They just, you know, they're just primaries. And, and a lot of folks, whether the politicians like to admit it or not, a lot of folks in America are not into political parties. <laughs> um, and they get, less, they get less so all the time, uh, unfortunately. Um, it's because of what they see as hypocrisy, uh, old boy cronyism, clout, whatever you want to call it. But I've knocked on enough doors as a campaign worker in my lifetime and had people tell me, oh, they're all crooks. It doesn't matter who you vote for uh, enough times and had to answer that enough times to know it's a really difficult thing to face people's, um, uh, what is it? Uh, cynicism about the political process. Um, having just heard and seen what the Supreme Court did, not just this morning, but yesterday on the guns, which Michael talked about, is a really dark day for the Supreme Court. It is getting only more political. And we, we knew that when we saw the last three um, nominees come from the last president. I mean, what did we expect? Mitch McConnell should be taken out to the barn. Uh, anyway, we won't go there. The primary this time is important for a lot of reasons. Um, 2022, this year's midterms are being shaped all across the country right now by primaries. Some of you may know and be paying attention where people have been elected who are uh, blessed by the former president. Um, those are the Republicans who will be uh, running against Democrats in various districts all over the country. Um, we'll, I'm sure on this program, we'll be covering those as the uh, November election gets closer, but the primary is the place where you get to affect that. So for us this time, um, quickly, we've got 
<clears throat> everything from governor to um, to uh, local MWRD, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District, Cook County Assessor, Cook County Board of Review, et cetera. We, are, of course, are backing a lot of Democrats. Um, J.B. Pritzker is going to be running against, as we all know, Ken Griffiths, even though his name is not on the ballot. He's got a number of- Griffiths who just moved his company, is moving his company's headquarters out of Chicago, which is good. He's taking it to Miami. I don't, I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent, but maybe he'll run for something down there. But the fact of the matter is he's bankrolling Republican candidates in many, many races in the state right now before he leaves it uh, in order to really um, pretty much glue up the works. Um, the fellow you've seen all the commercials about who seems to be more of a Democrat than a Republican has not had trouble taking his money. So what we need to do is develop a, a pretty big vote for J.B. Pritzker. And a way to practice voting is voting in the primary. So Pritzker, who's done a, a pretty decent job, I think, for us as uh, governor with his lieutenant governor, Juliana Stratton. We will also be voting again for our Congress people in our, war, in our district. That's Tchaikovsky, who, of course, has been, doing, yeah. has been doing a great job for us. Um, and this time, uh, Tammy Duckworth is up for re-election. Um, Durbin is not. So, uh, of course, the Senate oh, cannot. Are two senators, for, for those who don't know, Duckworth and Durbin. Okay. Um, a vote for a Democratic senator at this point in time is extremely important. Um, we have to find two more senators in November, at least, in order to um, start undoing the damage that um, has been done, uh, not only on the Supreme Court, but in a lot of places. Um, for Attorney General, uh, Kwame Raul has uh, little um, um, no opposition. Little opposition, so he will probably come in no problem. Mike Ferrix is running for re-election as the state treasurer. He's done a, a pretty good job. Secretary of State is an interesting uh, open race because uh, a very popular Jesse White is retiring after. I don't know, almost 30 years, a, a long, long time. And he's done a pretty decent job. The front runners are uh, at this point in the Democratic primary are uh, um, Alexi Janulius and Anna Valencia. I was sort of weighing those two and I'm coming down on the side of Alexi. Um, just decided, uh, I've seen enough that I decided he's more equipped to do that job than his, um, opponents. Of course, we're backing uh, in our district, Josina Morita, who is on the show shortly. Uh, the big the big races. Uh, also, I'm, I'm going to vote for Tom Dart for sheriff. Um, I think he's done uh, pretty good. The highlighted races, I think, for us are the um, Cook County Assessor. Fritz Kage is running for re-election. Um, he got his uh, um, slated by the Democrats by the skin of his teeth because there are still remnants of the machine who like when um, people get breaks who have money. Um, the county assessor's office under Joe Berrios operated as a, uh, you, you wipe my hand, I wipe yours, total quid pro, pro quo. Um, a lot of evidence about that. I'm not going to go into it now, but Fritz Kage should get reelected. Um, 
and, and as equally important is the person in the next uh, position, Cook County Board of Review, uh, Samantha Steele is running in our district, the second district, which runs from downtown all the way up almost uh, to Dundee Road and, and wide. So the reason I'm, we're, we wanna put those two together is what we observed after electing Kagi four years ago is every change, every progressive practice he put into being that could be was overturned in the Board of Review, which is three guys, three, three people, one was a woman, um, who do the bidding of, let's see, the people they get donations from, which would be the Building Owners and Managers Association PAC, Chicagoland Apartment Association PAC, and developers and construction companies who are bankrolling the campaign of Kegi's um, opponent, uh, whose name is also Steele. And is, she's also a female, so don't get confused. The person running for um, uh, Board of Review that we're supporting is Samantha Steele. Um, and the person we're supporting for assessor is Fritz Kage, not his opponent, whose name happens also to be Steele. Um, finally, the MWRD, uh, which is a Metropolitan Water Reclamation District, um, has you voting on one person for a two-year term. We're recommending Shakina Perry. Um, and the, for this, the six-year term, you get to vote for three uh, in that, and there's a choice. Um, I'm going to suggest and, and, and encourage you to consider Precious Brady Davis, who I met last week. She's a dynamo. She's, she's somebody who, who we want working for us. Re-elect Mariana Spiropoulos. She's done hard work there against a lot of odds. And if she had the support of these other two, I think she could go further. And finally, but not least, Sharon Waller. Sharon Waller is a new candidate to this office and uh, a scientist and an environmentalist. We need those people working for us with the Water Reclamation District. Um, for the judicial races, which a lot of people just throw up their hands and I understand why they don't know people, that they don't want to make choices that, you know, that would not be wise. Um, there are a couple places you could go for um, advice on that. Uh, I think the best currently is the Injustice Watch election guide. And it's, uh, that's www.injusticewatch.org slash interactive judicial election guide. With that, you can look up each person running, who recommends them, some significant facts about what they have and have not been a part of and make your decision based on that and mark the ballot in that interactive thing, print it up and bring it to you with you to vote. Um, there's too many judges to name them all, but I do have, who's the last guy that I gave you on? Torek Ward is the guy running in our district who um, I recommend. He's, he's uh, there's too many districts to talk to about all of them, which is why I, I'm not going to, but please do go to Injustice Watch. They do list all of the other recommendations from the Chicago Council of Lawyers, the um, uh, Illinois Bar, uh, and then there's also other uh, resources, um, specifically the Illinois League of Women Voters does um, a guide to the elections and the WBEZ primary election crib sheet is something interesting to look at. 
So if you're into researching your vote, which I hope you will be a little bit, um, do look at some of those resources. Uh, I mean, simply put, if you need a reason to participate in the primary election or any election in your life, just listen in to about 10 minutes of the January 6th um, com hearings that are going on right now. They're so appalling what went on under that previous president was so appalling and illegal. I wonder if he'll do a day of jail. Huh. But well, it really depends. That'll depend on how the votes turn out over the next few years. Because uh, let's see what happens. Katie, I want to thank you for this roundup. Uh, I'm going to encourage all of our uh, listeners and viewers uh, up through Tuesday morning when the show is on for the second time, it'll be on Saturday and on Tuesday um, to get out and vote. That'll be the last chance to do it. Right, so right. thank you so much. And uh, we're going to now uh, take a short musical break. And I'm not sure what we're going to pick. It could be more uh, Jim Schwal or Corky Siegel with Schwal. Uh, Emilio will pick it. Uh, and we'll be right back with Josina Morita. We're going to talk about her candidacy the political climate, a little bit of a follow-up on Asian hate incidents that she talked about last time she was on, and the broader civil rights movement. Stay tuned here on the left end of your dial, or wherever you're watching or listening to the Live from the Heartland show. I'm Michael James, and I'll be right back with more important information. Pleasure to bring on our next guest, the one, the only Josina Morita, mother of two, wife, activist, member of the uh, Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. How are you today? I'm good, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, it's always like a trying experience when we don't have our regular engineer here. And uh, Katie and I are still carving it out. Um, 
I, I, I got you on because uh, there's a number of reasons. One, you have been on the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. I'd like you to tell our listeners very briefly what that is, and then tell us why you're moving on and you're running for the Larry Sufferton's old seat on the Cook Absolutely. County Absolutely. I always say MWRD is the most important agency that nobody knows exists, uh, but we are a $1.2 billion agency, billion with a B. Uh, we are the second largest landowners in Cook County, and we manage storm and sewer, um, something so essential to us every day from the moment that we wake up and try to flush our toilet or take a shower um, to the moment that we go to bed. And so uh, we are impacting your life every day. We're doing some really exciting stuff um, in terms of green technology um, and environmental policy and protecting green space. Um, so it's been a real pleasure to be at MWRD for the last six years and be able to do some really fantastic um, initiatives. And I'm running for county board because as we saw this morning, um, you know, there are some really big fights that we have to fight for our generation, whether it comes to women's rights, when it comes to LGBT rights, when it comes to criminal justice reform, uh, when it comes to healthcare access, all of these issues uh, matter so much to me. Before I was at MWRD, I was a community organizer working on a lot of these issues in our communities. Um, I ran a broad coalition um, across Cook County that worked on state policy, a multiracial cross-religious group. Um, so my history and my passion really is about a lot of these broader issues. It's been an honor and privilege to work specifically on environmental policy the last uh, five years. Um, but as we saw this morning with the Supreme Court decision, we we have to fight and I'm ready for this fight. So uh, you probably will win this race. We hope so. I don't know how what who your competition is. I'm unopposed but, uh, and Larry Sufferton called me the other day and told me that he voted for me. So I won the primary. You're the best. <laughs> So what do you, uh, what's going to be new for you and what do you look forward to bringing? Uh, I know you gave us a little bit of rundown about your past, but what specific things do you see yourself doing on this board? Um, so Cook County Board is also one of those entities that a lot of people don't know what they do. Uh, so the three core things that the Cook County Board does is we oversee the forest preserve. So I mentioned MWRD is the second largest landowners, Cook County Forest Preserve, and Cook County is the, the number one landowners in Cook County. We manage the health and hospital system. Um, the work that they did around getting vaccines to everybody was tremendous through the pandemic, um, but a lot of work I think that we can do to improve our access for smaller ethnic and religious communities, especially those um, that I've worked with over time uh, within the Asian American community. Um, and then we manage the Cook County jail and court system. Um, you know, and there's with the Pretrial Fairness Act coming down um, to be implemented um, over the next year by January of next year. I think there's a lot of really significant work having worked on policy for the last 20 years. Passing the bill is just the first step, but getting into the nitty gritty of implementation, making sure um, that the intent of the bill um, is followed, that there aren't unintended consequences with things like increased electronic monitoring has been a concern. Um, but getting rid of cash bail, uh, reforming sentencing um, and the jail system is, is gonna be huge. And also with the influx of over a billion dollars 
um, and ARPA funds alone, uh, making sure that those are being implemented equitably, um, that we're really looking at the needs of Cook County residents and making sure that we are using those funds in a way that is having the impact that we want in the short term, but also that are sustainable in the long term. We don't wanna become de dependent on those funds and then they, all of those programs fall off um, when the funding stops. So there's just a lot of exciting work. I'll be the first Asian American woman um, ever on the Cook County Board and uh, really proud to be able to bring my voice, but also my entire community along with me. Uh, you know, I want to go have you just talk a little bit more about Larry Suffered. And we did have Larry on uh, now a while back, you know, talking about how he was going to leave the board, but he was really involved, particularly in the Forest Preserve. And uh, he did some canoe uh, events and involved people. Do you have any similar mindset for some of that? And uh, are you a forest girl? Woman I'm, a for <laughs> I'm definitely a forest girl. I, I mean, I just want to take a moment to thank Larry for his years of service. I mean, he's been a tremendous commissioner. He's been a tremendous leader for the state. Um, you know, on so many different issues. He's helped do significant reforms at the county. And he, as far as I've ever seen, as the only county commissioner that consistently, I think almost every time he introduces himself, introduces himself not only as a member of the Cook County Board, but as a member of the Cook County Forest Preserve Board as well. That's something that he's prioritized and really championed. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, he's done a tremendous job uh, you know, advocating for the forest preserves. We're gonna have a very significant important referendum on the ballot this November uh, to fund the forest preserves. Um, but as somebody who's come from MWRD, done environmental work, I really, and as a young, you know, a mom of young kids, I really wanna uh, champion the forest preserves as a place where families, communities can gather and organize and, you know, help with mental health, help with physical health. I'm actually gonna go camping for the first time in the forest preserves at Camp Dan Beard. Um, in a few weeks with my mom and sister and kids. And there are just so many resources and assets in the forest preserve. I think a lot of people started to take advantage of those um, at a whole new level during the pandemic because we needed a place to go. Um, people are really struggling with physical and mental health right now. And I think the forest preserve is a part of the solution. Um, so really looking forward to spending a lot of time in the forest preserves with everybody. Uh, Josina Marita, the last time we had you on the live from the Heartland show, and you've been on a few times over the years. Um, you did talk about your family and uh, your the tradition of progressive politics in your family. And basically, you gave us a lot of insight into uh, the Asian American civil rights movement, particularly on the West Coast, uh, where I think you grew up. Uh, most recently, though, I was watching TV and I learned a little bit more about the guy named Vincent Chin who was uh, in Detroit and was murdered by a couple of, unfortunately, by auto workers, I believe. Um, and there's a new documentary out on him. Um, so I wondered if you could fill us in a little bit on, uh, on Vincent Chen, and if you could also tell us a little bit about, uh, Jesus, the spam risk is come, they call even when you turn your phone off. Okay, if you could tell us a little bit about uh, the civil, the Asian civil rights movement, or Asian part of the civil rights movement, particularly uh, with uh, the new film coming out on Vincent Chen. Absolutely. I mean, here in Chicago, you know, oftentimes are a little disconnected from the history of the Asian American movement because it was so centered 
um, on the West Coast and a little bit on the East Coast, but less here in the Midwest. You know, I'm very fortunate. Both of my parents were part of the beginning of the Asian American movement that really was built on the shoulders of the Black Power movement, the you know Chicano movement. Um, the immigrant rights movement. Um, both of my parents, they met at UC Berkeley um, in the 60s as activists fighting for ethnic studies, doing anti-war work. They were uh, active with the Filipino farm workers in Central California, which were really the founders of the farm worker movement and worked in coalition with Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. Um, so I really have been fortunate to come from a, a place where Asian American history was part of my family history and part of how I grew up. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, the incident of Vincent Chin is not unique in the history of this country. Um, I'm sixth generation Chinese American, fifth generation Japanese American. So my family was directly targeted by the Chinese Exclusion Act in the 1800s by the internment uh, camp and, you know, the anti-Japanese sentiment during World War II. Um, we saw in the 1980s, a lot of this anti-Japanese uh, sentiment as Japanese companies became more competitive, particularly in the auto industry. And what happened to Vincent Chin, he was mistaken for Japanese. And uh, we see this a lot of times with anti-Asian hate. There's not distinctions uh, by nationality or ethnicity. He just looked Asian. Um, and he was beat to death by white auto workers who were really told that he was the problem, that Japanese auto workers were the reason that they were losing their jobs. Um, and so we've seen this pattern of scapegoating um, and anti-Asian hate come in different ways, particularly with economic competition um, and foreign policy throughout the history of this country. And of course, we've seen that again um, recently with um, Donald Trump calling you know, the coronavirus, the Kung flu and the China virus. Uh, the rise in anti-Asian hate that we're seeing again is part of a much longer history and it's been uh, very difficult, but I'm glad that people are talking about uh, Vincent Chin, one, because it's an important part of our history here, but also it happened in the Midwest, um, you know, just in Detroit. And, uh, you know, it's an important story to tell um, as, as well as all of our stories. And we're really proud. I also chair the Asian American Caucus here in Illinois. And we are so proud, Jennifer Gongershowitz and Ron Billabalam, uh, chaired the TEACH Act. It's the Teaching Equitable Asian American Community History Act in Illinois is the first state, go Illinois, the first state in the nation uh, that passed this kind of act and will require a unit of Asian American community history in all public schools starting this fall. Um, and so we are really proud of that. We really believe that uh, education, particularly all of our you know, children learning Asian American history is the real anecdote to hate. Um, you know, we can do hate crime legislation, we can you know, talk about the challenges with policing, but at the end of the day, it is about education. Um, and proud that my kids will be part of a generation where Asian American history is understood um, and here in Illinois. Well, Illinois is uh, certainly, we've got uh, a growing number of Asian American politicians or public servants and um, what do you have any information on the, the growth of the Asian population, of which I understand is the fastest growing uh, group in the state and perhaps in the country? We are. We're the fastest growing population here in Illinois, Chicago, Cook County and the rest of the country by percentage. Uh, so Asian Americans are about seven percent of the population here in Illinois now. Um, but we have grown significantly in public service, as you said. Um, you know, myself, I became the first Asian American uh, elected to a countywide board in 2016, along with Representative Teresa Ma, the first Asian American in the General Assembly. Um, 
ever in the history of Illinois. And we have grown from zero to nine uh, in just the last five years in our caucus. And we have over 22 Asian Americans running on the primary ballot June 28th. So please vote um, and look up our uh, list of candidates, AsianAmericanCaucus.org. Uh, we're really proud of um, not just Asian Americans, but diverse within the Asian American community, very progressive set of community-minded elected officials. You know, Josina Marita, it's always wonderful to talk with you. You are inspirational. And at a time when we've had over 11,000 incidents of hate against Asian Americans in re recent times, I would just like to say that my best hope for white people is that they are viewed at some time in history as a, a people who work for the good of the whole. And I would say that would be true of the United States too. Someday we'll be viewed in the world community as a country that worked for the good of the whole. If it doesn't go that way, we're all in trouble. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. See you around the neighborhood, see you in the community. Uh, be thinking of you a lot. Uh, keep up your wonderful work. You all too, thanks so much. listening or viewing the live from the heartland show for the week of june 25th uh it's a week that's had a number of uh uh negative rulings i think from the supreme court but here on the local level we have some really wonderful stuff happening and one of those is a group of people connected to the west excuse me the rogers park west ridge historical society who are working on the renaming of passion park to call it pollard family park 
So I'd like to introduce Donna Vitale, April Mink, and Kevin McGurn, and uh, they're all residents of the 49th Ward, active people in their community. Good morning to the three of you. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, it's, Michael. It's great to have you on. It's great to uh, learn more about what you've been doing. Um, some people out there who are listening to the show may know about a guy named Fritz Pollard who went to Lane Tech, and I think he played football at Brown University. He was in the NFL, and he was a coach. Uh, he got a lot of not notoriety, but he was part of a family that was, uh, every one of them was doing great, wonderful things. How about filling us in on the Pollard family, a little historical background on the movement that you are all involved in right now? Donna? Donna, take it away. <laughs> Pollard's family came to Chicago from uh, post-Reconstruction Missouri in the 1880s, they were the first African-American family to live in Rogers Park at that time before it was even part of the city of Chicago. They had a family of eight children. Um, the father and mother had been very interested in getting education for their children and they raised all of those children to do extraordinary things with their lives, given the circumstances of, of where they lived and in when they lived. They um, eventually were able to purchase a home, which happens to be where Kevin and April now live, that is right next door to a park. Um, we know that the park was there when the, when the family lived in the home, and we know they spent a lot of time there and enjoying the park. And we just wanted to uh, commemorate their presence in the neighborhood and the accomplishments of those eight amazing siblings and the mother and father by naming it the Pollard Family Park. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us a little bit more about how, particularly April and Kevin, tell us how you became interested in this project, that, that you live in that home. and. Uh, then we'll get to the whole question of passion and who was passion and uh, what the situation is. Sure. So we didn't really know about uh, the Pollard family until we moved into the home in 99. And the family that had been here before gave us a, a booklet of uh, things that had been left from the family and should be passed along. And at the same time, there was an exhibit at the uh, Historical Society that uh, was just talking about Fritz largely but that piqued our interest, of course. And uh, there are remnants in the home from the family, some things that they left behind that have gone on. So we, you know, we tuned into that and we found a fair bit of uh, general success from all family members. And that's, you know, this, the athletic side of it is often touted, but, you know, the filmmaker, the business person, the nursing, the educators, the, the other people who excelled in their areas, musicians, you know, even the parents' stories, I mean, all of them could, could uh, be an eight-part uh, movie, you know, it's, it's really a rich history. So, you know, as we lived here, we realized people in the neighborhood weren't aware of them anymore as people moved on, and we put a plaque up in front of the home roughly 10 years ago to uh, commemorate the family and to sort of uh, instill interest as people pass by to mention generally that uh, we thought this was a, a family of note. 
the dad, I think, was a shoemaker. Would he have had his shop there or was his shop? He wasn't a shoemaker, no. He was a barber. He was down at the tracks at, at uh, Ravenswood, right? So initially when they moved to the area, they had a, a shop there and they lived above it until this house became available to them. So what is the process of getting the name changed? Uh, my understanding, uh, I know you were on Fox TV and they wanted you to uh, kind of badmouth this fellow named Passion. Um, I've been driving by that, you know, for 30, 40 years now uh, on a regular basis, even I've been in the park. Uh, but it, it turns out that this guy, Christian Passion, was a former building commissioner here in Chicago, to my understanding, and that he uh, got convicted for tax evasion. So he could have been a really bad guy. But on the other hand, some, there's probably a lot of people who've been, done some tax evasion. So I don't know about this his character. You anyone want to share information on, on Christian Passion? Well, we, we know a fair amount about Christian Passion because he was a public official. Um, he was in the construction business all the way back in like 1900 and became a very close associate of Mayor William Hale Thompson, Big Bill Thompson. Um, they Thompson was mayor twice, and Passion was his um, building commissioner in his second term, which was from 1927 to 1931, or whatever the time period would have been. Um, they were, at that time, very um, active in, in Republican politics, and supporting um, kind of a wide open Chicago. When Thompson ran again for his seat in 1927, his slogan was open up Chicago. This was when the gangsters were basically running the town. Um, Passion was one of his very close associates. They were involved in a lot of things together. He was the building commissioner there were charges throughout the whole time that he was in office that he was taking bribes um, as building commissioner. I always say the only thing remarkable about that is that somebody actually caught him for something because everybody at that time was doing things uh, in a little shady way. He was not charged with taking bribes. He was charged, indicted, convicted and spent two years in jail at Leavenworth prison for tax evasion, presumably for not declaring the income that he got from the bribes. I know that he um, had a $2 million estate in Wisconsin during the time he was building commissioner. Uh, so it was probably not an unsubstantial amount of money that we're talking about here. Uh, well Go ahead. That's 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 enough on that fellow. Let's uh, so let's talk about uh, where are you at now with this project? It's a project of the uh, Rogers Park West Ridge Historical Society. I understand uh, a great organization uh, still out there. Been you know they've had done a lot of stuff, had exhibits, and been involved for many years. One uh, of you, please share with our listeners or our viewers where the project is at and how people can get involved and help make this a reality, or maybe it's on the road to becoming a reality. Fill us in. 
Kevin, you kind of hit a lull, um, you know, and we're glad to uh, get the word out again through your show, Michael. Um, we had a presentation last November to the Park District Board. We've, we've uh, gave them our, our sort of our, our case, our proposal. And then we followed up with them into the early winter with petition names and letters of support. And we're waiting for it to be put on their agenda so that it can be discussed and they can uh, discuss uh, first removing the passion name and then proposing to uh, uh, move forward with the Pollard family name. So I know they're busy. I know they've had a lot of changes in leadership there, but uh, Unless anybody knows anything differently, I think that's where we sit. That's so where we're, we're waiting right now to be to have our proposal come to the top of the list. They tell me they have a lot of proposals for changing things at the parks, for changing names and things like that. And they only take up one at a time and they only have meetings once a month and the July meeting was canceled. So there's not another meeting until August. Is it, so we, is it the same uh, people who are dealing with the shortage of lifeguards? In yes. The park? Yeah, it's, so they got their hands full right now. They've had a lot, they've had changes of leadership. They've had a lot of controversy and they've had a lot of other issues that um, have taken their time and attention. We just keep trying to keep our proposal in people's minds. And we're, we're in touch with the park district on a regular basis to see what the status is, but I just keep getting told it's not yet, not yet, you have to wait, so. Well, I've loved hearing from Kevin and Donna. I'm gonna hit you up, uh, April. You get, What's your take on all this? And do uh, you have any thoughts on what people can do to uh, move this project along? Uh, well, the Alderwoman Maria Haddon has been very supportive of our endeavors. Um, there is a petition on the Rogers Park West Ridge Historical Site that people can sign to show their support. Um, I think, you know, reaching out to the park, reaching out to the Alderwoman, those are all things that would be helpful. Um, it really, it does feel like we've kind of hit a snag and there was a lot of excitement when we started all of this, a lot of community support, and it's just keeping it in the forefront of people's minds. Well, hopefully you guys showing your faces and your voice on the Live from the Heartland show will uh, rev up the masses to, to help get behind us. If we go to that, uh, that website and someone tell me again what it is, uh, is there a way to sign the petition there and yes. get more information? Yes, if you go to rpwrhs.org, on the very homepage, there's a, uh, a place, a picture of some of the Pollards, a link to their story. And at the end of that link, there is also the opportunity to sign the petition. So it's it's very easy to find. And if you can't find, if you forget the website, just Google Rogers Park West Ridge Historical Society and it will take you there. Well, I love the idea of this project, not just because of, I'm a sports fan or I believe in equity and justice for African-Americans. It just seems like this is a new name for the park that should take hold. And I'm sure we're gonna have you back on as things go forward. Cause I know once, the Park District Board approves it, 
and the name is changed and we've got new signage, there'll be some kind of event that uh, you'll be lucky if uh, people aren't trying to use your house for the, there'll be so many people who need extra room. All right, thank you so much for coming on the show and I'll see you all in the neighborhood. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Right on. Thanks for having us, Michael. Okay, you are listening to the live from the Heartland show. You may be watching it. We're on WLUW 88.7 on uh, Saturday mornings, rebroadcast on Tuesdays and Fridays. And you uh, can always get us at youtube.com slash Heartland Media. Um, uh, let me see. Final bits. Vote. People got to go out and vote. This is crucial. We talked about it throughout the show. Uh, you got until the 28th to get it done. Uh, once again, uh, let's remember Jim Schwal. Uh, he passed away and uh, we'll be back. Uh, I won't be back for a couple of weeks, but I will uh, be glad that Katie Hogan will take over the reins, so to speak, be at the helm, be at the steering wheel. Um, and I know that she's got a number of interesting guests lined up, including on July 9th, a live interview with Steve Yellen and Russ Bradbird from down there at Basketball in the Barrio in El Paso, which is an event I used to go to every year, but this year I will be somewhere else. I'll fill you in. Okay, that's it. We've been doing this show for well over 25 years. We're on WLUW 88.7. You can get us at uh, youtube.com slash Heartland Media. You can get us at CanTV. You can get us at Google and Spotify podcasts. And we want to thank everybody who really makes this show possible. That includes Emilio Davis, Katie Hogan, Lynn Orman Weiss, Imani Warren, Luis Mejia Arens, Tom Clark, and uh, who knows who else is going to help us out in the future. We can always use more help. We hope you have a really good week. Uh, do good in the world because the world needs all the good that you do, that I do, that we do together. All power to the people. Adios. See you later.